They've reached the pinnacle of their careers. Won many hearts and tonight they wear the crown of being a true legend. Ladies and gentlemen, your legend is here. One on one with football's living legend. Ladies and gentlemen, your legend is here. Ladies and gentlemen, your legend is here. Well, it's exactly 15 minutes to the top of the hour before we go into the news. And lots of concern for Botham Sealer still on social media. But a lot of you are heeding to the call that we just asked for something very simple. So if you're a hardened listener of this show, hashtag MSW, then please do the right thing. Just follow Botha at Botham Sealer or Sealer Botha uh, is what it is. So it is at Msila Botha. Just follow him. Let's make sure that at least by half past seven, he's got 5,000 followers. If we can do better than that, then hey, I'll give you something special to reward you for the weekend. I'll tell you all about it at half past seven. Let's just follow the man. He's following his passion. The least we can do is follow something. Follow our hearts. Follow our legend. Would you ever do something as crazy as that, Sergio Dos Santos? Good evening, Robbie, and uh, good evening to all the listeners. I think the first thing I want to say is this. If the footballers of South Africa were half as committed to the game as Bwitha is to his support, we'd be African champions. What he's doing is absolutely unbelievable. And if that does not motivate the players to remember why they are there in the first place, then nothing's going to. Because it's about that, and I'm glad you say that, uh, you know, good evening, Serge. You know, you know we just never greet you, never say goodbye on this show because, you know, sport and football is, a, is an evolving thing. You are absolutely right. When you talk about the passion that he has for the game, and yes, we all know that he's a Celtic supporter, but he's a, a lover of the game, and that's why he can go from Bulguan, travel down to FNB Stadium, travel to PE, travel to wherever he is. But he does it all in one weekend. It's beyond Bloemfontein Celtic that he's a supporter of. And this is crazy. I mean, when when you read what people are saying, that he could be captured in the DRC, he could be you know, converted to a military junta of some sort that is there and become a member, is a genuine concern. You know, I've lost people who've, had malaria they were not able to survive because that is how severe it is you know does he have adequate cover medically if something does happen sure he's got a phone if, if there's no place to charge it where is he going what's going to happen there's so many questions but you know Botha does what he does but why do we not have that passion you and I are sitting here watching this South Africa game we can't even get into a final in our own backyard we're playing against opposition that we should be beating given the facilities and everything that we boast about as a football nation Serge but we cannot where's the passion I watched football VHS tapes of back in the day because that's how I was able to catch up you know with a lot of what you guys are doing what you were doing coaching the likes of Kaiser Chiefs and I saw Malomboli Chaba, passionate, Aysen Zulengo, passionate, Max Mapunyana, passionate. I don't see that now. I don't see that here in this game that's about to end 0-0 as well. So still failing 
after failing, we're still there. What has gone wrong? Well, you know, you've said the word, the word is passion. I mm. think uh, passion's gone out of the game. There's no doubt about it. Because if we go back to 1995, we came back into world football and immediately won the African Nations Cup yeah. and immediately qualified for the World Cup. Why was that? For two reasons. The first one was the commitment, the passion, and the desire of the players to finally show what they can do on the big stage. Subsequently, what happened from there was everything started to spin out of control because the new generation coming through mm. thought, oh, this is going to be easy. Right. So what you have now is people getting an opportunity. You're watching this game now, yeah. and we're saying, what's going on there? Well, I'll tell you what's going on there. How many of those players really understand why they are there in the first place? They've been given this incredible opportunity, not only to show their ability, right. but to challenge for the Bafana Bafana squad. Well, I don't think too many are going to put their hands up at this stage. But why? I mean, you, when I was talking to Barton, you showed me one of the opportunities in the box that we saw. Absolutely. I don't want to compare anybody to Ronaldo, but he's the latest example of what we saw uh, when you know they were playing a couple of days ago. And he single-handedly yep. pulled his nation back into that game, got a hat-trick yep. into the final. Yep. That's what great players do. He's 34 years old. Yep. He should be in China. Yep. He should be in America, getting yep. a huge fat paycheck. But he doesn't want to do that. He wants to play for Juve, challenge himself, be a top goal scorer. He wants to be playing for Portugal, captaining Portugal, and getting through to another final. He is that kind of driven. Yep. It's off-season. He could be off, hanging out with Rihanna and all the top people out there. But he's not. He's playing for his country. That is passion. That is what we don't get. Yep. Where have we lost it? What evaporated, Serge? There's got to be. There's got to be something about it. Was the reason why I'm starting at the end is because when I backtrack and I, I take you back to when you were Captain Hellenic at the age of 22, that for me, given who the Greek gods were, is ridiculous because we don't get captains now at the age of 22. Yep. We get them when they're youngsters at 28 according to South African terms. Where did it evaporate? That that was there before, the, the Ronaldo type of approach. I'm going to give you a beautiful story that will basically make people understand where we are. Yeah. Asin Sulengu comes back from America to come and play for Chiefs during the break from America. Toronto Blizzards. Toronto Blizzards. Mm -hmm. We go play African Wanderers in Durban, full house at Glib, Gliblands. Mm-hmm. Max Mopanyani scores twice. We win the game 2-0. At the end of the game, we have a shower, and Asin Solengo looks at Max Mopanyani, who is 19 years old, 20 years old, he's up and coming, he's now starting to score goals, mm. he's starting to get into the team on a regular basis. He looks at him and he says, he points to the talk bag and he just goes, he points and he walks out. Hmm. What is he saying, Max? Get my talk bag, bring it to me. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, Max, don't think you're too big because you've scored twice, son. Yeah. Just bring it. And, and Max Mapanyani completed getting changed, picked up the talk bag and took that talk bag to the combi. Because he's a lady. These are the senior players. You There's must. a respect. I arrived at Chiefs at the age of 30. Yeah. 
Do you think I arrived there and wanted to be a big deal? No. I had to eat humble pie. I had to arrive, be humble, listen, watch, learn, and wait for the players to accept me. What's happening now is the youngsters, they're driving flashy cars, they're earning massive money, mm -hmm. they're training on wonderful facilities, and they think they the bee's knees. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people don't want to come out with the truth. This is a fact. There's too much money in football now, and so forth. So what happens is the players think they are bigger than the game. But the game has always been bigger than anybody. They're training on facilities, as you describe them, great facilities. Absolutely. But are they training? What are they doing in those facilities? Yeah, they're running. We see them stretching. But are they training? Because a lot of the legends that we talk to here, and, and I talk to you like this because I've always known you, sir, from day one when I was a little toddler in this game. Your honesty has always stood out. And that is the one thing I've always admired about you. And when I ask, are they training? Because the legends who come onto the show say when they wake up in the morning, 5 a.m., they go and jog. They go and hit the road. We had Yan Malombolichab a couple of weeks ago. I heard yeah, and he was repeatedly saying that. He would do that. Raidam Fukeng was another one who was on our show, and he would say they would wake up and they would go and jog out of their own accord. Nobody was asking them to, but they would. Then they go to training. Yep. But they've already trained. You don't get that right now. No, you see, because in those days, <clears throat> the difference was that they were determined. They were determined to represent the badge of the Amakosi. Right. They were not playing for just themselves. They were playing for the nation. Because in those days, the nation needed them to alleviate the burden of the system that we were living under. Mm -hmm. And the way they did that was on threefold. One religion, two boxing, and three soccer. So what you saw on the field was the players understanding the responsibility that they had right. towards those supporters who came out every Sunday. 50,000, 60,000, 30,000, depending on the size of the stadium. And they not only gave them their commitment, their loyalty and their football, they gave them a little bit of samba as well, which is what the people loved. Today, all these guys want to do is just put on the jersey and run out and, and, and sort and of enjoy away. themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the legends of yesteryear, you spoke to Malombo, I heard a couple of weeks ago, where he's telling you that he gets up in the morning and he goes for a run. That's how Malombo was in those days already. He was committed. He knew he had a responsibility yeah. to set the trend for the other youngsters coming through. I don't think that's happening in all the teams anymore. Mm. The youngsters have become bigger than the players that are already in the team. And there's also a lot of movement of players going from club to club. Right. We can also say, look at Sundowns now, for example. Why is Sundowns doing so nicely? It's because the players are staying with that camp. Very few of them leave. Mm -hmm. So the camp is becoming a family. They are all intertwined. The player gets dropped, the next one takes his place and does the job. The player gets replaced at half time, the player comes in and does the job. That's how it used to be in the old days. But how come Sundowns are getting it right? And the others who've been there since 1937? Yes. Talk about pirates. Had a great season again last season, but obviously didn't win. Um, the other will be turning 50 next season, which is Kaiser Chiefs. Yes. 
So how come they're missing the mark with so many years of experience in the game at the highest level? I think the important thing here is I think we start with the leader, pitcher, yeah. who understands what this is all about. He's been there himself. He understands it. He's as committed to the game and as loyal to the game as he was when he was a player, first and foremost. That carries through to the players. And also they have a lot of experience in the team. Mm. So when the youngsters come through, there is a guiding light that leads them into that level. Mm. A lot of other clubs don't have that. There's no one there to lead. So when I was at Chiefs, you had Trevum Timkulu, you had Wellington Maniati, you had Marks Mapanyani, you had Johannes Radebi. These are all youngsters. Mm. But they're coming through to play with the computer Lamolas, the Malombo Lashabas, the Asian language, the teenage Ladlas. So they have someone to look up to. You don't get that anymore. Because the players don't understand what it means to be loyal to that club. Sundowns understands. Why is it? Well, number one, they're getting paid exceptionally well. Mm. Number two, they've got a coach that is so committed that he never sleeps. He lives, eats, and, and does what needs to be done to make sure that his team is successful. Mm. And the players are relating to that. They've got a CEO who is committed to the club because he knows that through that club, he is giving back something to the community, to South Africa, and to football. That is what makes it. So at Kaiser Chiefs, you had Kaiser Mataung, you had Clarence McLoty, you had China Ngema, you had all the people that had been involved in the game for years. Mm-hmm. And the players understanding why they were there. It was a family. I don't see that anymore. The support is there, but even the supporters are now starting to wane a little bit. It's only when there's a big game that they come in real full force. In those days, every single game... Oh, it was a full house. You couldn't get into the stadium. But, but that's what I was about to say. That, And, and that's the loyalty factor again. Because you you know, you know, played for Chiefs, you coached kinds of Chiefs. That becomes a central point. Is that even when they play against the Tears Galaxy, as dismally as they're doing, the fans still go and they sell out Moses Mabita Stadium. Two weeks in advance. Unbelievable. And those aren't Tears Galaxy supporters. Yeah, they arrived on the day, but in terms of the dominance around the stadium. And whether it was from the days of Michael Biza, Tlamini, or whatever it was, the late, they've always had the loyalty factor. Shaka Ngob. Yeah. You know, KZN has always arisen. Samora Kulu. Yes, Moran Samora Kulu have always arisen when it came to the club. And it still stands today. And what they don't want as they go into their 50th year is to lose that essence where people start to be as despondent as saying, yeah, well, whatever. We'll go and do something else. That's when you will know that there's a massive, massive, oh, I'll use a simple term, massive loss of appetite for a team that conjured up an appetite unbeknown in terms of the trophies. After the news, we come back. 0605842250. Any questions to Serge? Um, he'll be here. Sergio Dos Santos is my guest. He's the legend. A remarkable career. Unbelievable. He'll tell us about his walk from Hellenic. <laughs> we all know what Hellenic used to deliver. And we all know what they produced individually and otherwise. But also his walk into Kaiser Chiefs, like he says came through as a senior but a junior at the same time juxtapositioned kind of confuses you it's okay to be confused because he's here to unconfuse us
Hello, Robs. Thanks for bringing back Sergio Dos Santos to the show. And hello there to my hero, my legend, Mr. Dos Santos. Um, I'd like to know, sir, which, which is the best player that you ever played with at Kaiser Chiefs and why? And which is the best player that you ever coached when you were coaching there? Thank you, Robs. Thank you, sir. Have a nice day. Good evening, Robert and uh, legend Mr. Dos Santos. This is Malbongo here, Jimmy Sting. Just quick question to Mr. Dos Santos. Does he think coach Ernest Mindendop is the right coach for Kaiser Chiefs as Dos Santos also coached Chiefs before? Thank you. Hey, Marawa, how are you? This is Desmond uh, from Emalasheni in Whitbank. Uh, you've got a legend in the studio, and uh, he's right, man. I think there's a lack of passion in football these days. And I think we, I think the system needs to change because I think it's becoming too soft for the players. Uh, hearing from what the legends used to do in the olden days, I think our players need to stop being fed fed at my conflicts. I think it's high time. Even further, Tomingoshinamaponchi is being hard and them understand that they are playing not for themselves but for the supporters and for the badge of the team. Rob, uh, evening. Can you ask to Utata or Serge to Sandoz that what he thinks about uh, Stuart Bex? Is he the right coach for Ibafana Bafana? Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, your legend is here. One on one with football's living legend. They've reached the pinnacle of their careers, won many hearts, and tonight they wear the crown of being a true legend. Oh six oh five eight four double two five zero. That is the WhatsApp voice note number that you can get in touch with us. A very very popular choice of legend today in Sergio Dos Santos on social media on Twitter as well as the voice notes. We'll take your calls in just a short while uh, before we get down to the bottom of the hour. A, a couple of questions that I think I still remember: the greatest player that you ever played with or against in your time at Kaiser Chiefs? Asinzulengo. Yeah. Very closely followed by a player that I think, unfortunately, was always a little bit in the shadow, Teenage Ladla, Potsotso. Do you think he was in the shadow? A little bit in the shadow because Ace was big. Yeah. Ace was a big player. He had, a, he had a, something special about, you know, about Ace. Whenever he arrived from America, mm. everything changed at Kaiser Chiefs. He, you know, he was the conductor of that orchestra. But Potsotso... Yeah. I mean, he was, I, I tell everybody, I still get excited about Teenage because what Teenage was doing in the 70s and 80s, on the left-hand side, up front, like a left-winger, right. playing with his right foot, Azard, Ribery are doing it today, and everybody says, wow, but he was doing this 20, 25 years ago, so it was nothing special. He was already doing it in those days yeah. and totally bamboozling the defenders because they never knew if he was going to go out or in or in or out. He was just sensational. But on the touchline, though. I mean, on the touchline. On the touchline. He took you. You thought you had him. You went for the tackle and he was gone. Unbelievable. They were talking about Otis Bidendorf asking, is he the right coach for Kaiser Chiefs? Well, what do you make of his coaching? 
Well, that's a very, very difficult question for me to answer. But what I will tell you is this. I'll reverse that question. Mm. Are the players at Kaiser Chiefs good enough for Ernest Merdendorp? What do you answer to that? My answer is no. And I'll give you a perfect example. Right. Chiefs plays TS Galaxy in the NetBank Cup final. And before the game, nobody's 100% sure that Chiefs is going to win that game, including myself. Huh. If that had happened 20 years ago, the, what you would have been saying was, how many goals are Chiefs going to score? Against TS Galaxy. Right. Now, yeah. we don't want to take anything away from TS Galaxy. Sure. Because what they've done is incredible. What Dan Malisel has done is unbelievable. Tim Sukazi, unbelievable mm. to get to where they got. But realistically, how can that team beat the Amakosi? Even if they're not as good as they would be. But if I say to you now, Rob, name the top player at Kaiser Chiefs. You're going to say, Kamabiliat. I say, give me a number two. Mm. You're going to have to think about it. 20 years ago, if I said, give me a player at Kaiser Chiefs, he's an Asian Sulengu. I say, and then you're going to say, Botsotso, Shaka, mm. Computer. You're just going to keep on going. Yeah. Another generation. That Triple, is the difference. Triple K. And Tim Triple Cole. K. Wellington Maniati. Sylvester Coley. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just number. Sputlio and Lapu. Zeblon. Uh, 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 you know, Doctor and so forth and so forth yeah. and so on. You know, you're just going to keep on going. Whew. That's a different way of looking at it. There was a question again of Stuart Baxter and him as a coach of Bafana Bafana. Well, I think that Stuart Baxter showed us when he was in charge of Kaiser Chiefs yeah. that he's a good coach. Let's make no mistake about it. I thought he did a fantastic job at Kaiser Chiefs. I thought that it was the beginning of the rejuvenation of Kaiser Chiefs. The way that he put the team out there, the standard of play, the dynamics of being on the ball, what they were doing, and then off the ball, what they were doing. They had a beautiful package together as a 90-minute team, and right. they could do it both one way and the other. So I think he knows what this is all about. The question is, can he take the players that he's got now? And, and I think that South Africa, the Bafana Bafana squad right now, I think is quite a good squad. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of quality there in all senses of the word in different positions. I think that if they are prepared again to really take on the responsibility of why they are chosen and what they are doing there, I think that this team has got the potential to do exceptionally well. However, do I believe that there could maybe be a little bit more of a, uh, a sort of a, a, you know, everybody talks about what is the style of play. Right. Uh, I don't think the style of play is that important. The, the thing is, do the players have the freedom to express themselves because South African players must be allowed to express themselves because that's the one quality that we do have that quality of being able to take the ball and make something happen when there's nothing possible when you walked into Chiefs who was the coach at that stage you had uh, uh, Banks Athlody mm -hmm. and uh, Pro Kumala so Elkim Pro Kumala who was Dr. Kumala's father the late indeed the why I ask you this is simply on that fact of <laughs> what some coaches call showboating and they don't allow it to happen. So they squeeze the players from expressing themselves. Then that is taken away. And I know guys like Jeff Butler, initially very skeptical of that. But in the end, when the discipline had been won, 
from their side to the players, then they were able to say, okay, Doc, you do your thing. Clive Barker is a typical example of a, yep. a coach who would take the guys out, go cut your hair, go relax. It's a big game tomorrow, but just relax. Do the fun things. And whenever things fail, just give it to doctor. Doc, do whatever it is that you can do with the ball. You know what to do. I don't have to tell you. I don't have to coach you. This comes naturally. How were they able to handle that? Because you had such an array of, of players uh, when you when you got to Kansas Chiefs that not everybody had the same technical ability on the ball. How was that translated from the coaching to maintain your tactical discipline but be able to then make those fans that are cramming Orlando, that are cramming Cleveland, that are cramming whichever stadium you're at, to still say, yeah, 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 look at this, yeah, 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 you know, have that yeah. excitement. Yeah. Well, I think the players in those days understood that to play for Kaiser Chiefs, first and foremost, is, you know, it's a privilege. Right. So, therefore, the responsibility to produce the goods was there. So, when the game starts, what happens is you wait for one or two of the so-called star players mm -hmm. to set the trend of the match. So, in other words, if we're playing and the game is tight, mm -hmm. it would take an ace in Sulengu to grab the ball and play a little one-two and then do a little dummy run mm -hmm. to get the crowd to react. And that set the trend. Or teenage to go down the line, take on the fullback one way, then return and take him on the other way to get the crowd to react. Mm. And that is how you set it up. But they never abused that ability. What I find today is that players want to abuse the ability. And that is the difference. And become the attention. And become the attention instead of the team becoming the attention. So in those days, when Kaiser Chiefs scored the goal, it didn't matter who scored that goal. The unity of the team in celebration was one with the crowd. Today, the player that scores the goal, well, he thinks he's the man. He thinks he's the man. I think that's the difference. Yeah. And you know, I must say, Rob, this year I got a little bit excited when I watched Pirates. Right. Because Vincent Pulley, mm. Temben Corsi Lodge, they showed you, it reminded me of those days. Because when they had to be disciplined, they were disciplined. When they had to run back and help the defenders, they did that. But when they were attacking and they were looking for something special, either one of them would have done something special. Yeah. But only for that specific moment. They never abused it. And I think that's the reason why Pirates this year were a threat to Mamalodi Sundowns. I, I stopped you off air from telling me about your first experience of a, of a Soweto derby because I, I got a sense that it, it was something special. I got a sense that it was something emotional. I got a sense of so many different things that I did not want you to waste that emotion with me off air. But to share it with the listeners... As we chat now, what was that experience like? Well, I have to tell you that, you know, we, we've read and heard about people that tell you that there is a way that you as a human being can rise above the ground. You can float in air. Well, if there is such a thing, I was very close to doing just that when I ran onto the Orlando Stadium turf to play against Orlando Pirates. Um, the sound was deafening. You had an Orlando Stadium splitting off, one off all black, the other off all gold. When Orlando Pirates ran out first, because 
uh, sorry, I'm lying. When we ran out first, because it was a Orlando Pirates game, there was a crescendo of the cheers and the boos from Pirates. And when Pirates ran out, exactly the same. But when you start to run around and warm up, and that deafening sound in that stadium, you realize that what you are about to experience is something that people only dream about. That was without a doubt in all my life as a football person, both as a player, as a coach, as whatever, involved in the game. That was without a doubt the most emotional experience that I've ever had. Without a question of doubt. It was I, can, I can still see the tears. I mean, you talk it, about it now. I, I'm, I'm looking at you tearing up. Because that's how it affected me. It was, un, you can't put it into words. Yeah. And when I got home that day, I drove home after the match. You know, we, we went, we had a spot. We used to stay at the Devonshire Hotel. Right. Went back to the Devonshire Hotel, finally. And I drove home by myself in my car. I was actually emotional in the car. I couldn't believe that I had experienced this. A white man in South Africa, in those days, experiencing something that was just indescribable, is the only way I can say it. Sure. That is why we say, you know, when when you when you get to celebrate the legends and you get to celebrate them while they're still alive, most importantly, is that you get you get to hear about some very special moments as well and and that is what we're having here today with uh, soldier de santos uh, much respected uh, i mean we, we we could go on and on for days uh, you know talking about him his achievements what he did uh, hellenic kaiser chiefs orlando pirates cape town spurs you know recent time ikapa uh, ikapa sporting etc you know but but it's about putting yourself in that place uh, and, and let me check if we got a couple of voice notes as well because we, we need to get those out people are really really loving hearing uh, from Sergio also hashtag MSW on social media uh, let's hear it from the people okay well, while we get that uh, lined up you know Serge, for many a time we look at football completely differently and we understand that's why the beautiful game is, is, is what it is. You've achieved all you could. What is that one thing that you still feel in the space in South Africa right now you would still love to see happen for you individually, but also for football holistically? Well, I think that the most important thing is that the people that are involved in football in South Africa, the hierarchy, mm. must understand that the game is bigger than anything else. The game is bigger than all of us. Yeah. And South Africa, it's a sad state of affairs that our football at international level is as weak as it is. It's, it's actually embarrassing because we are a very powerful league in terms of financial uh, situations, mm. incredible facilities. The support base is there, but they are not coming to the game like they used to anymore because they just don't enjoy it that much anymore. You know, when the game got taken out of the township and brought out into the other areas, mm. it became harder for people to come there. And the cost of living is not easy. So for you to get them to travel by taxi, by bus, by train, whatever it is to come and see you, 
like they used to in the old days. Right. You've got to give him the product because I think the product is in South Africa. And, you know, I always say, and a lot of people have been laughing at me for many years when I make this comment, and I'm going to make it. Yeah. The comment is as follows. Why is it that whenever we have a massive game in South Africa, like a Sundowns and a Pirates, or a Pirates and a Chiefs, or whatever it is, a big game, mm. and the stadium is chock-a-block, why is the game superb, and why is the crowd incredible? So let's take a, a little artificial scenario. Mm -hmm. Let's take the South African League and take it to England. And let's bring the English League and bring it to South Africa. So the South African League goes to England and gets... Every game is played in front of 30, 40, 50, 60,000. And the English League comes to South Africa and gets played in front of 2,000, 38 degrees, Polokwane, whatever it is. Triando. At the Absolutely. At the end of that season, you may be surprised as to what you're going to see on either side of the equation. Given the spectrum, what are you likely to see? Well, I think what you're going to see is you're going to find that the South African teams overseas, the people there are going to say, where have these guys been? Mm. Where have they been? Now, when we were ready for the 2010 World Cup, Chiefs played Pirates in Durban. Mm. And I've been telling everybody, there aren't too many derbies in the world yeah. that are bigger than Chiefs and Pirates. Not too many. And of course, once again, you know, everybody is very cynical. Well, come on, Serge, you're exaggerating, you know. I say, well, look, I've played there, you know, I, I, you know, okay. So maybe I'm a little bit exaggerating a little bit. Maybe I'm a little bit, you know, patriotism and so forth and so on. So they played in Durban. The game finished 2-2, hmm. and it was shown throughout the world. Correct. And I got phone calls from Israel, from New Zealand, from England, from Portugal, from Greece, from friends of mine who had gone overseas, back to live overseas or whatever, to say they could not believe it. They could not believe it. And you know, Rob, not too long ago, of course, you had our friend Dwight York. Yes. Coming to watch the derby. What did he say? Yeah. What did he tell us? Told us about the fans. He said, wow. He was flabbergasted, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. But he also was just uh, uh, amused at the fact that uh, there were... Everybody cross. mixed. Yeah, yeah. They, Everybody they, they mixed. mixed. They, they, they were, uh, I remember that game in Durban, excellent Walaza. Yeah. was excellent. Yes, you absolutely. Know. And um, Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? Let, let, let me not... Let me. I hear you. And, and I love that. And when people start to think about that juxtapositioning of SA teams in England and England teams in SA and you give us your answer, please let us know. Because Percy Des on Twitter says, the show is still ongoing, but this has to be one of the best Legends Night show that you have ever had with Sergio Dos Santos. Thank I, you very I much. I would rate it right up there. I agree. Mbazo, good evening. Welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, Mr. Morale. How are you? I'm very strong, man. I've got the one and only legend here, yeah? Sergio Dos Santos in studio. Mr. Dos Santos, good evening. How are you, my good sir? Good evening to you, Mubazu. I'm fine, my brother, and yourself. I'm doing just fine. Yeah, I have a question also for you there. During your heyday, how did the move to Kaiser Chiefs materialize? And the second question, don't you see the movie down ruling the team with an iron rod like the late King Pharaoh did in Egypt? Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, I think the second question has got to do with Bobby ruling the team with an iron fist. Yeah. Um, he gets criticized a lot. Yes. Justifiably so? I think so. Although we must understand, he's got a very, very, very big act to follow. Yeah. His father 
he's one of the greatest owners of a football club in South Africa of all time. A man of his word, loyal, dedicated to his club. And nothing came before his club. And more importantly, nothing became in front before his supporters. Hmm. He built up that club because he always did what was right, not just for the team, but for the supporters. At the moment, I think there is a gap between that commitment, first and foremost. There's no question about it. He's got a very difficult job on his hands, and maybe he's trying to do it his way, mm. but I think he needs to now start to understand that maybe his way is not necessarily the right way. Let me take, Archie, the, the, the first question, I think we kind of covered it in a way, so I don't want you to mull too much over that. And let me see if Archie and Volcom is still there. Archie? Mganam. Baba, welcome to the show. Evening, SG. Good evening, my brother. Good evening. I call you SG, you know why. <laughs> uh, I don't. Yes, SG. yes, Baba. Number one, how were you recruited to Chiefs? Because now, when you came in there, I said... Then, Tikowam, what is Keza doing us now? What does this white guy know about soccer? <laughs> and uh, Mena, you know the rest. And another thing, we are on the, our 25th democratic year. There was yes. another 2025 on a certain Jersey. I just forget who, whose Jersey was that. And uh, then lastly, the I, still think, I still <laughs> think that uh, Vincent Chabalala, I mean, uh, Chabalala could have still made a difference. But Chagas Chiefs sold you. Thank you, SG. Uh, yeah, this SG story, I'm not sure about. Well, but, uh, yeah, 20, go ahead, 25, 25 is a beautiful number. It's in my cupboard. I've got quite a few jerseys in my cupboard with number 25 on them. That's the first thing. Uh, my lucky number is seven. So I wanted seven, but I couldn't get it because it belonged to someone else. But I managed to get 25, two and five is seven. So I was quite happy. Oh. As far as joining Chiefs is concerned, it's actually a nice little story. Yeah. What happened was in 1974, we had the first multinational tournament in South Africa. And I was the captain of the Continental Squad. And Kaiser was the captain of the Black Squad. Yes, yes, And yes. we played in Durban. We played in Durban. And after the match, we got together. And he came up to me and we started having a chat. And he said to me the following. He said... The leagues are going to be coming together very soon. I want you to give me your word. If you ever decide to leave Hellenic, the first phone call you make is to me. Wow. Because I would love you to come play for Kaiser Chiefs. That was in 1974. In 1981, I made that call. Oh, wow. And, yeah. the, and the rest is history. Okay. Let, let, let me leave it at that. You know why I'm saying let's leave it at that? Because that's 74 to 81. Yep. Is where we could pick it up, Serge, because here I am being threatened <laughs> with all sorts on Twitter. Tsekhofadzo says there has to be a part two, three, and four, etc. I am loving this interview. And we just got one that's just popped up on my timeline now um, from Pule Yakels, who says, Rob, please, we have part two with Sergio Dos Santos. Please, right? Gringo, mashallah says we demand part two rob sergio trialed my son twice for under 12s at ix great man that legend so we're gonna have a part two Serge. please don't say no i am being sworn at i'm being told all sorts of things here on social media